Good morning, everybody. This is your host, Belize. Welcome to The Menu on UCLAradio.com, where we talk about everything food in Los Angeles, the new openings, um, interviewing people from the industry, and just appreciating the beautiful culture that we have here. Today, we have two legends of um, LA food scene. Not only do they have seven restaurants, if I'm not wrong, um, and a Canadian company, but they look so fucking cool while doing it. Hello, guys. Welcome. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Yeah. Hi. How are you? I'm John Shook. And uh, I'm Vinny DiTolo. Welcome. Um, so before we get into um, our questions, um, what did you guys have this week? that you really liked as a meal? Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> what did I eat? What have I eaten this week? Um, it's a hard question, but- I'm trying to know, think of where I was. A, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> the days just blend together. We've really, we've honestly, we had a long weekend. We we, we had we had a couple of events we had to do through the weekend, so- I was actually, I was gonna say my favorite dish that I had was actually Mark's pasta at uh, John and Vinny's, the uh, Swiss Rashard uh, Nudie. That he made, I think, was my favorite thing. Uh, but yeah, Vinny and I, like he was saying, have had a pretty busy week, and uh, sometimes it's hard to remember all the different things that we eat. Um, you know, our life is surrounded by food, whether it's at work. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> we went to. I had to look through my photos actually <laughs> to remember where I was. But we went to uh, Tacos El Russo on the weekend. We went over there oh. on Saturday with some chef friends we had in town. Uh, we were sort of kind of entertaining them uh, before we had a, this uh, event that John was talking about on Saturday night. Uh, I forgot about those, too. And yeah, they were really fucking good. They were really good tacos. Uh, El Russo, it's called. Um, Where our friend it? Ben, who owns the Hundreds, uh, turned us on to this place. It's over in Boyle Heights-ish oh. area. Um, Vernon, kind of like right mm-hmm. there along those borders. Um you know, in that neighborhood, they have some of the best kind of taco street people in, in the city, I think. There's some really amazing people out there doing great stuff. Cool. Yeah. Oh. Um, well, my I guess my first question is, how did you guys meet? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> we met in culinary school. We met, uh, it's been 20 years we've been working together. Uh, we met, you know, we were both uh, from Florida. We weren't from the same town. John's from uh, Ormond Beach, which is north of Daytona, and uh, I'm from Clearwater, which is kind of the beach community outside of Tampa, Florida. Mm-hmm. And uh, we met in Fort Lauderdale at the Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale uh, within the first couple days at the dorms. Um, and then, uh, you know, honestly, the rest is kind of history. We really just kind of became really, you know, great friends, best friends, family. You know, now it's kind of just feels like, you know, a family really <laughs> with all of our kids he has wife kids i have wife kids yeah. it's you know uh-huh. we live on the same street it's a little yeah. bit uh fairy tale-ish that's so wholesome yeah, yeah it is it really is and i mean even though you're basically family now does it ever get hard maintaining all your restaurants because i live with my sister and yeah. that gets hard so yeah ima- I mean, like i can't imagine yeah you know I mean, it, it's definitely super hard i mean there's uh 
it's hard when it's super up and it's hard when it's super down. You know, it's just trying to find that middle ground for us both to uh, be on. I mean, Vinny and I have, you know, obviously have had tons and tons of growing pains. And I think now, uh, you know, we try to limit the, that, that uh, I guess, that bumping of heads because for us now it's not about us as much as it's about our team. And, you know, we have amazing people that are around us that are uh, part of our organization. And, you know, we try to keep, you know, their their thoughts in mind as well. And I think it's changed a lot of the way that we approach uh, our relationship. And, uh, you know, it's super hard, um, you know, to kind of balance that. But I would say over the years, you know, Vinny and I now have been, how many years now? 20, 20 years, yeah. 20 years working This together. summer was 20 years we had and been it, working together. Yeah, and it's wow. like, you know, now I think when we look at, you know, just what we've accomplished, we feel just amazed that we've been able to have this opportunity and have it with somebody. And I think we're now more grateful for our partnership than ever because we get to share in that experience. And when we're talking about work and when we're talking about growth, it's it's not necessarily about what we want as much as it's about what is right for our team and uh that's a big thing so it is hard Mm -hmm. but it's it's uh you know you evolve you know i'm sure when you and your sister were uh six and uh, how you know six and whatever age yeah you know you guys fought about things that are different than you would fight about now that's that's definitely true and how uh how do your roles differentiate in the yeah, our roles always, group. you know, people always ask They've always that, evolved. It, it evolves. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, currently now, I would say Vinny and I are getting to spend more time together than we ever have probably in the last... Uh, ten years. Ten years. But before that, we were always together, you know, and that's, you know, what, what's been so great about, I would say, Vinny and uh, my relationship. It's never about I, it's always about we. And, and and knowing that it's it's okay to evolve and change, you know, we're we're never stuck in like I do this only and you only mm-hmm. do that. Um and you know, the one thing about our, you know, success, you know, which is funny cuz John and I we never become complacent. We're always kind of on to the next thing is is that um you know, we've had the same rise to success. You know, we came from kind of a very similar background and a very similar financial background. Um, and, uh, we've had that same drive and, and motivation from day one. It was like about pushing each other and, you know, there's a little bit of this competitive spirit underneath it all. Um, but also we're pushing each other and now we're really trying to just, like John said, we're really trying to think about the team in a bigger scope and push these people and these individuals that are great and, 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 and put them in the, in the best position to see, the best in them, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's, it's, uh, the most gratifying to see the best in other people as much as it is yourself. Yeah. And I think both Vinny and I like, yeah, we, we, we noticed that we've had, uh, a lot of, uh, great, I guess, uh, success or accolades or whatever, but internally, I think both Vinny and I actually feel like, we haven't, you know, and like, we still have so much more to do. And like, you know, but like I was saying, it's like now because the organization is so much bigger, it's not just about us, you know, on the personal and professional side, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's, you know, the conversations are are a little bit different and a little bit bigger. And, uh, 
uh, it limits, I think, the opportunity for, you know, bumping heads. Yeah, and being part of such a big group, um, when even operating one restaurant is a big responsibility and investment, how do you kind of know when it's, you know, time to open up another one, not just personally, but also financially as well? Uh, you know, there's not really any clear sign that says, like, this is the right time, mm -hmm. I think, or at least for us, there hasn't been. Uh, you know, we kind of, weirdly, I think it just naturally happens. You know, there's uh, different times when maybe we're still, you know, deep, deep, deep in debt and we're adding on top of it. Or, you know, we feel like we've almost got to the finish line and we're ready to start another one. There's no, like, this is the formula to, to when we decide to open another restaurant or, or expand. Mm -hmm. And um, being part of this massive restaurant group, do you kind of ever, like, miss the simpler days of cooking in the kitchen, you know, rather than big yeah. picture stuff? Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course, you know, the other night we were – you know, these events we were talking about doing. John and I actually, we had to do an event on Sunday night at um, a restaurant. It's, named, it's called Luke's. Mm -hmm. It's an incredible place. It's been there for 20 years. There was a book dinner going on. This woman wrote a book about a bunch of L.A., you know, chefs and restaurants and this and that. And we were sort of signed up to do it. And John and I, you know, Sunday night, we stood there and we worked the station together. And it was really nice. You just get to, like, get in that zone, you know. But you know that while you're doing that, you're, like, you know, getting flooded with emails. Thankfully, it was a Sunday night, so it wasn't that bad. But, you know, on a Tuesday, just even just, you know, being here for however long we're going to be here for 45 minutes, we'll get 50 emails that will be, you know, some things that are just really easy and some things mm -hmm. that are more complicated to respond to and, and, and things that are happening right now in all the restaurants while we're here. So we have to kind of really, you know, be careful about our time more than we ever did before. But, yeah, you. We of course missed the thing that really got us into this, and yeah. it was like the love of food is really mm -hmm. what started the bond, started the restaurants, started our careers. It was like we love the restaurant yeah. industry, we love the restaurant business, we love the kitchen. We yeah. loved John and I both worked as dishwashers before we met each other. So and, and we also like Vinny and I, you know, besides cooking, it's like he said we have a love for food. So like, even though we might not be on the line five, six, seven nights a week right now, it's like we always try to find a a night for Vinny and I to go out to dinner and like see something new or like, uh, you know, like he was saying on Sunday, we were cooking on the line next to each other. It was for, you know, uh, a release of a book that we're affiliated with. And like those times are like, almost feel like how it did when it started. Mm -hmm. But then like you look down at your phone and there's 250 emails and like you open one up and it's like, you know, talking about how, you know, an employee and another employee got in a fight. And it's like, you know, that's the last thing you want to be reading about. Mm -hmm. But it's the reality that we live in now is like, as you grow, uh, you know, other things start to kind of get put on your plate. And you realize how small of a percentage the actual cooking is. <laughs> in the end of the day, when you run a big restaurant group like this, it's like, you, you know, you realize how easy it is for you too. It's kind of like, you know, I mean, obviously the riding the bike analogy kind of thing goes mm -hmm. into play, but it's like, I mean, cooking's the easiest thing for us now. Yeah. There's so many other things that are so <laughs> hard to deal with. Yeah. You know, um, but and I things, love cooking, and yeah. it's, I mean, it, there's definitely a form of, you know, you miss it, you know, and mm -hmm. like, but I'm also in a different stage of my life. It's like we're both parents, we both have kids separately, and like, uh, you know, 
for me it's like I find myself cooking for them you know and enjoying that and like I can't be at the restaurant six nights a week because then I'm neglecting my kids and like you know I the thing you know for both Vinny and I a couple years ago about maybe five years ago we made a decision that you know it was really important for us to be very present in our we both have young kids being present in their lives and really making sure to ingrain you know uh our beliefs and our thoughts and our work ethics and all that into our kids and like the only way to really do that is to is to be with them and you know so we it's hard to be with them put them to bed cook on the line seven nights a week it's like back in the day when there was only you know uh, work, you know, it was a, it was a different situation. Mm-hmm. And our kids now are, I mean, like for, I mean, I'll speak for myself. My kids, you know, always, they always keep you humble. They're always like, <laughs> yeah. you know, my kids will walk in the kitchen and they'll be like, it smells disgusting in here, you know? And you're like, okay. Yeah. Uh, or like, they're like, people you know, pay for this stuff usually. Yeah. Or like, you know, you're like in a rush, got home late with the kids from school or whatever. And you're like, you make them a frozen pizza and they look over at you and tell you, this is the best pizza I've ever had. And you're like, dude, you know that you we make pizza at the restaurant. Like, you totally just said that to, like, get under my skin. Yeah, that's know? funny. Yeah. Um, uh, kids. Um, well, you have a lot of restaurants, and all of the restaurants have different styles, represent different um, cuisines. How do you... Um, come up with the concepts. Well, I mean, we're we're John and I have always said we're like kind of chameleons of food. Like we're not we're not specialists in anything. Um, you know, we're we we love so many different avenues of food and culture and all that stuff. Like we would open tons of different restaurants if we could, if you had the time and the, you know the bandwidth to do it all. But um, as you get older, you sort of realize, you know, things just, you, you don't have, you can't do it all. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the interest level is at a hundred, you know, the ability is not there. You know, it's, it, it, we wish it was, you just, you, you need the people to kind of do it and you need the money and you need the, the spaces and the rent. And I mean, there's so many things that go into, go into, mm-hmm. into opening a restaurant and, uh, we wouldn't want to bore you with all that stuff, but you know, it's like we, we have other interests besides the places that we already have. And, you know, we've only been able to have those within the last 12 years. Thankfully, we have some amazing partners, chefs in some of our other restaurants, uh, Kismet with Sarah Hymanson and Sarah Kramer. Um, so mm. they kind of really handle the food there and deal with the day-to-day operations. Uh, we're financial partners in it, and we are uh, – operating partners in it um mm-hmm. and the same goes with ludo lefebvre we deal with you know we do the same thing there it's his food his restaurant he deals with the day-to-day but we we sort of finance and operate with him uh those restaurants and you know thankfully we have those but you know even if those those opportunities never came across john and i would probably be interested in that type of food as well doing something middle eastern doing something you know uh like Ludo does with French food and like, you know, so we're thankful that those opportunities have presented themselves to us. But like we would want to do, you know, we'd want to do a taqueria. We'd want to do a Greek restaurant. It's just because that's our interest. You know, we Mm -hmm. don't, we don't always just want to do one type of food. Um, And that's kind of how animal started was just like, let's put all these things into one place and, (laughs) and stack it all up at that point and where we were then in our lives. Cause they reflect for sure where, 
you are mm-hmm. at that point in your life. And um, speaking of um, the chefs, mm-hmm. so um, you said you you were you partnered with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so does the chef comes first or the restaurant idea comes first? Uh, the chef comes first. Okay. Chef comes first on the partnership. It's, you know, if we uh, meet them, like them, feel like they share a lot of the same common goals, thought processes about food in a similar, you know, uh, philosophies, then um, it could lead into a potential partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, you also said that restaurants reflect um, where you are at that time of your life. Mm-hmm. So... Um, where are you guys right now? Right now, I think our focus we're is... Parents. is <laughs> we're parents. Uh, well, I mean, our, our, I would say our biggest focus for Vinny and I on the culinary side is is the John and Vinny's brand. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's, we're in the process of trying to get permits on a third location. Um, you know, that is probably our, our top kind of growth thing for Vinny and myself personally. Uh, we're always looking for people to potentially invest in. Uh, you know, we want to do another petit trois with Ludo. Uh, the Sarahs are about to open a roasted chicken restaurant. Um, and, you know, besides that, it's like you don't want to look, you don't want to forget about the ones that kind of got you there. And I think, you know, Vinny and I still love Animal and Son of a Gun, like at the top. And, uh, you know, I think animals evolve so much. And, you know, it's kind of sad to see that uh, older restaurants don't get the attention you know, as these newer restaurants and with mm-hmm. Instagram and social media, things have been sped up at like even a more hyper speed. Uh, but, you know, for for us, I think it's, you know, keeping those guys alive and uh, uh, allowing those guys, when I'm saying guys, animal and son of a gun are some of our older restaurants to continue to evolve and continue to push them and continue to, you know, create memorable experiences for people. Uh, and as well, like on the growth side, it'd be John and Vinny's on the personal. And then mm-hmm. on the producing side, there's, you know, the world's kind of the oyster, it's with, like I was saying. So. And I think, you know, the reason for John and Vinny's expansion and I think what why we want to do it is because there's the most, you know, back to like upward movement of, you know, other people's interests and other people's goals in their life and the people that kind of come into your world and providing those opportunities for them and stuff like that, I think is we see the most upside in that business um, because the food's a little more down the middle of the road. It's a little more Mm -hmm. commonplace. You know, people have shown their love for it in a much wider bandwidth than the other restaurants. The other restaurants are a little more culty. And you really realize that John and Vinny's doesn't need to have the most educated diner or the most, you know, foodie type person. It's just, food people love, you know, pepperoni Mm -hmm. pizza, chicken parmesan, and we just do it well with the same integrity we have with ingredients and procedures, the way that we do things in our other restaurants, we've just applied it to the Italian American cuisine, which we both grew up eating um, and loving. And and, uh, we wanna do that because, you know, in the end of the day, restaurants are about making people happy and providing a place, you know, that's a public space that people can enjoy themselves in and, have a good time, celebrate, like John said, create memories, serve delicious food, you know, be a part of the the food culture. You know, we're just trying to expand our audience and that and provide it because, you know, as we all know, like LA is broken up to, you know, into a bunch of little tiny cities because once mm-hmm. people get home, it's hard to get people to, 
you know, drive, you know, another 30, 40 minutes outside their neighborhood just to go eat. So uh, we're, we're kind of trying to get to other people. We're just trying to move to, to them rather than have them have to come to us. Yeah. And um, do you ever fear that you're going to lose the quality of the food when you're opening up, uh, for example, John and Vinny's and a couple mm-hmm. of other uh, places around Los Angeles? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it definitely. I mean, fear is, you know, kind of what I think keeps us driving to always push it to make it better. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I fear somebody coming in there and not enjoying themselves in mm-hmm. anything that we're attached to. And when people do, it really, you know, we, I would say we both take it personal and really try to, you know, hear every single customer out and what their experience is and try to create change or create curve, whether it's the next time we do it or currently in the moment, depending on what the situation is. We want to make people happy. I mean, that's, and I think that it just, you know, blanket statement for restaurants in general, not just our group, you know, yeah. I think like a lot of people, it's like restaurants, we're, we're there to like, you know, feed people and make them happy, feel like they mm-hmm. got, you know, a, you know, a decent value for what they're, what, what they're eating and stuff. And I think that's, I mean, that's a whole nother subject of like value perception and those types of things. It's like, you know. We could go on and on forever about that, but it. But I think the in the end of the day, John and I in the restaurants, we all want to make people happy, and you know, we really do try to you know, you know, find ways to to make things better if people aren't you know happy with their experience and things like that. But the the end of the day, the goal is like let's make people happy, let's serve some good food, have a lot of integrity behind the ingredients we use and the cooking techniques, and and teach the people that work for us how to do the same. Mm-hmm. I especially think that now that we have, you know, Postmates and all that delivery mm-hmm. services, mm-hmm. it seems even more important to actually go out and drive to the restaurants that you like and, you know, be part of that community and that culture that restaurant provides. Because mm-hmm. for me personally, it's not just like food that is really good, but it's also an experience that I can share with a lot of people who's dining there at the same time, even with the chefs and you guys, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And space, you know, people I mean, people mm-hmm. want to feel like they're in a space that they feel comfortable in and has a good vibe and good energy. And I think that those things are all things we think about. Yeah. yeah. Um, and did you kind of have that idea when you, um, when you kind of, I guess, opened up John and Minnie and Animal on the same street? I mean, I don't think that there was any thought in that. I think it was just... You know, you connect with locations, and if you like the location, then you kind of move forward wherever it's at. I mean, we look at hundreds of places, uh, you know, in a year, 100-plus places, and, like, maybe we find one that we connect with or that we like or that we feel we can make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I mean, we love Fairfax. I mean, Fairfax <laughs> for us is very... It's at a very important street for us because of you know, what it's become, but when we were there, when we landed there, it was like, you know, it was Supreme, it was us, it was a bunch of old, like, you know, uh, the the Jewish supermarkets, um, you know, uh, some bakeries, uh, you know, it was a historical street, and that's really evolved, and there's a little bit of the history still there, and and now we're kind of writing, hopefully, the future history of what, you know, LA is, and what it was, and, you know, hopefully we'll be a part of that conversation. And that's, that's what you, you know, culturally mm-hmm. what you do it for, you know. Yeah. And your restaurants also draw a lot of 
um, I guess, celebrities or upscale um, clientele. Um, what do you think of that image? I would say that I think it's an interesting image because we live in the land of. So it's <laughs> like, you know, you're just providing to our neighbors. Mm -hmm. So it's like people might paint you in that. But I think for us, it's it's that it, it's not it's nothing because so, it's yeah. like, oh, that guy lives like three blocks over from here. It's like, well, where do you expect him to go eat if he lives three <laughs> blocks over? So it's like all because their their job might be public facing doesn't mean that they don't need the same services that somebody that lives in like Iowa. It works at a, you know, uh, a department store that, you know, isn't so, I would say, public facing uh, needs, which is, you know, a good, comfortable restaurant where everybody treats them like a normal person and gives them high quality food, you know, and I think that's something that Vinny and I have always tried to, to, to push is that, you know, everybody's welcome at our restaurant, any mm -hmm. age, any ethnicity, you know, it's like, we want you to come in and experience our restaurant and like, we treat everybody equally. And, you know, that's our approach. And, like, it just so happens that we live in a neighborhood and operate in neighborhoods that happen to have a lot of people that are in the public face. Mm -hmm. And being welcoming and, you know, um, being a comfortable space is obviously very important to you guys. And when you're actually designing the spaces, like, how do you go about that? Like, who do you like trust in terms of I mean, interior it's, design? It's evolved, like, it's evolved a lot and it constantly is evolving based on the company, but it uh, starts you know, with us. It starts with us. And, it and starts with us and our preference and our, and our desires and, and tastes. And what we're into. And, and, you know, with John and Vinny's, we worked with a guy by the name of Jeff Guga, who's, you know, a respected Southern California architect, interior designer. And, you know, we worked together and started with, this is the kind of vibe we're looking for. This is the kind of look. And then, like, he obviously came back with ideas. So it's a very collaborative uh, approach. And, you know, we worked with everything from, like, just friends that are woodworkers to set designers to interior designers to people like Jeff Guga, who, you know, had studied under Frank Geary for many years, over a decade. Uh, so it's, it's all just, it all depends. <laughs> and, and, and and budgetarily, I think is the other thing that we started Animal with like like hardly any money, and mm -hmm. and obviously that's changed. We've invested more in the spaces and and things like that. Animal was really just like let us just find an audience, let us just cook some food. We'll use some nice materials for the table and the silverware and those things, and then just like the rest of it doesn't matter. Paint the walls white, you know, concrete floors. We're all good. Um, now we spend a ton of money on sort of the aesthetic of like what John and Vinny's is in particular, mm -hmm. and. Um, and, and most of the and most of the restaurants we're now doing it. We're we're putting a lot more into it financially. Yes. Also, just the cost of buildings gone up dramatically. I mean, mm. cost of labor's gone up dramatically. I mean, that's the one thing that you know you literally could have it could have its own show uh, that could run you know ten thousand episodes of just how much the industry's changing right now with cost of labor and cost of ingredients and just costs going up and like trying to understand like how to get someone to understand that if you want to have a, a all-natural organic handmade hamburger you're going to be paying $28 you know what I mean because the process of making the bread here in 
Southern California, the cost of the rent, the, the labor to produce the, the, the bread, the cost of, you know, flour, everything's gone up, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, it's hard when you have places like McDonald's and Burger King that are, you know, locked prices and they're going out and buying, you know, uh, millions and millions of acres of product before it's even produced. And compared to like a small group like us that's, you know, in the grind and supporting local farmers and like, you know, their cost of labor has gone up. I mean, just the cost of uh, minimum wage is going to be $15 this, this year. And, you know, that all trickles upwards because if you're giving your lowest paying person uh, in the group, uh, you know, oh, a raise, the people at the top want to raise as well. So it, it all shifts. And, uh, you know, trying to get the consumer to understand that, like, hey, this is something that we've all supported. We all voted for it. But it mm-hmm. affects every part of this business, and our costs have to go up in order for us to survive, right? And even rent has gone up from mm-hmm. when we open animals almost four times the amount of what it costs to rent the exact same square foot oh. and the exact same road, you know. So, uh, you know, it is a... Um, tricky equation uh and there's no uh there's no i think better answer than to train the consumer and get them to understand how it impacts smaller groups and smaller restaurants mm-hmm. and how do you usually kind of interact that way with the consumers and the well, customers it starts with the you know getting your staff trained and mm-hmm. understanding what it is and then for them to be able to speak knowledgeable or have knowledge of it uh, when they're talking to the customers. Because uh, a customer that might have been coming in there for the last 10 years says, why is the pork belly more money now? You know, and being able to really explain the reasons behind it um, is one step. Also, just starting conversation about it, you know, just having a conversation. Uh, those that are listening right now, I mean, just that one little bit might uh, might hit one or two people in that group and they and then they talk about it or they mm-hmm. research more into it and I think uh, you know that's part of it and just I think like people have been I don't think people really understand what it takes to make money in a restaurant you know I think people don't know that the average restaurant if they're making 10 cents on the dollar is is a, is a serious high five all around mm. you know mm-hmm. so for every ten dollars you spend at a restaurant, Usually the restaurant's taking a dollar, right? And then they're paying taxes on that. You live in California, yeah. 50% about, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, there you go. You're down to 50 cents on the dollar. Or, I mean, on on, on the on $10, you know? So, so then you take that, right? And then you have to split that up between the partners. Mm-hmm. It, it's, you know, it's it's a game of pennies, river of nickels, <laughs> however you want to kind of, you know, say it. It's it's just, it, it, it's a hard industry. It's always been hard. It's why people are always like, oh, restaurant, why did that, why did that place close in five years? I loved mm-hmm. it. It's like, well, you know, the, because cost of food, cost of labor, value perception, you know, you know, your rent. It's like these things are major factors and and it, it's hard, you know, it's mm-hmm. hard. And, and, and it, but we love it. So. <laughs> It's, it, I don't want to do anything else, really. It's like I mm-hmm. want to just do restaurants, and I love restaurants, and I love, like I said, love making people happy, love creating good spaces and, and, and doing good food, and that, that gets us going. Yeah. And besides owning restaurants, you also have a catering company. Mm-hmm. So how is that different um, from owning a restaurant? 
I mean, catering and restaurants are two totally different things because uh, catering, you know, you're kind of waiting for the job and then you get to kind of build the job around that. Mm-hmm. Uh, where a restaurant, it's like your job is to put people in the seats. So it's like a little bit of a different experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with catering, we work very close with the clients to kind of create the perfect event for them. We're in the restaurant, we're creating the event or creating the atmosphere and then people are coming to you. So I would say those are the biggest differences. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still use the same ingredients, the same recipes, the same philosophies. And, you know, we share staff between, you know, the, the, the restaurant and the catering as far as like, as people kind of get tapped out on the restaurant side, they might transfer down and work in the catering department. So it allows for a lot of opportunity mm-hmm. within the group, uh, which is, I think, once again, something that has become very important to Vinny and I is opportunity. Um, but in general, uh, you know, we're still striving to put out like the best product that we could and the best experience, whether mm-hmm. it's catering or the restaurant. And strategically, catering is completely different. Catering is very, very hard. You're always on the away team. You're always mm-hmm. showing up at different spaces. You're you're cooking on the side of a house. You're cooking in at somebody's house. You're cooking in an alley. You're cooking at a parking lot. You're, you know, you're doing an event for 500 people. You're doing an event for 20 people, and and everybody eats at the same time. And it's it's very different than a restaurant. You know, just mm-hmm. strategically alone. You know, just mm. at, at a restaurant, you always show up. It's the same things, the same tables. It's like, yeah, tables might be six people or eight people or four people or two people, but you kind of get in those rhythms and you know it after your first, you know, couple months. And, like, it's it's catering's ever-changing. Yeah, and now you guys are cooking up literally in the sky because I've heard that yeah. Delta One now yeah. has um, yeah. your food. Yeah. Um, how did... That really happened. That came through, uh, actually, another chef. His name's Linton Hopkins. He's in Atlanta. He's also a Delta uh, culinary chef. And he connected us with Delta when they were looking to bring the program that he was doing in Atlanta out to Los Angeles. And, you know, they were checking us out as well as some other people. Uh, and we ended up getting the contract. And that as well is its own world. I mean, <laughs> airline food is unbelievably challenging. Uh, there are so many rules and regulations around it mm-hmm. uh, for safety, which is weirdly the one thing that I would say that I took the most from is, you know, Delta's, uh, you know, number one thing always is safety, and that's where it starts. And, um, you know, from the flight attendants and pilots and mechanics and the people that work on the plane to the food that they serve, it's talked about. And, uh you know, then there's a lot of just nuances to it because obviously uh, in the sky, they're they're heating food up in, a, mm-hmm. in an oven. So it's, uh, you know, not like any kind of oven you've ever seen before. Uh, it's powered by, oh. by the energy that the plane produces. Um, so there's nuances to the oven and, you know, as well as uh, strict protocol for uh, health, health-borne illness, uh, 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 what would you say, what, how would you call that, like, guidelines to keep um, people from getting sick? I don't know how else to explain it other mm-hmm. than that there's, uh, you know, the safety procedures of the food that goes into the plane as well also has to be hot, handled at the highest level of sanitation, uh, which changes as it's well. It's clinical so that, almost in yeah. a way. Wow. It's, it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're 
it's it could be a very dangerous thing food mm-hmm. you know yeah. so it's like that's it's a good thing that the health department's out there you know it's like people complain all the time but like we're we're fanatics about keeping things clean and and sanitary and healthy and uh you know john and i are, are of the of the we like we're, we wash our hands probably 200 times a day even yeah. when we're not in the kitchen yeah. um so it's 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 um you know that all that stuff is very important to us but it, it is interesting because it's a whole nother thought process for food yeah. mm-hmm. for us so we actually learned a lot you know it's yeah. like you can you yeah like it for that that department there's an in-house uh sanitation person and their whole job is just to regulate and make sure that they're documenting all proper food handling procedures that are happening wow. through the whole course of the day where you know in a restaurant that doesn't happen you know mm-hmm. and then uh you know, I think for us, part of the beauty of the airplane food that, like, has really been amazing is just how much Delta's been able to support uh, local farmers, you know, because we buy all of our stuff from the Santa Monica mm-hmm. Farmer's Market and, and the farmers and them being able to get the, the the income from that, which has been really great. And, and as well, like, for Vinny and I, we feel like we're kind of this bridge between, you know, Delta in the airplane and then the farmers and like us bringing those farmers product to the plane is only putting a better product onto the airplane just without us even touching it, you know, and then we get to uh, manipulate that food to be things that we would like and we'd want to see in the sky and like, you know, majority of the dishes have hit pretty hard, mm-hmm. you know, um, not all of them have, but uh, they, they you know, and that's part of the reality is that, like, you know, we've only been doing airplane food for two years, and we're still learning. You know, and there's a lot. We we always say, like, every year it should only get better. Mm-hmm. We should be able to improve a little bit. And I think that's one of the way that Vinny and I buy, have always approached our, our culinary career. Wow. That's so much. I actually didn't know that much about airplane food. Oh, so. there's no, so much I, more. It's <laughs> insane. I yeah. Mean, really Did you already say the thing, you know, about the two inches yeah, thing? Yeah, no, I didn't. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like nothing can be over the height of two inches. So that's oh. actually kind of small when like you think the food about it. Yeah, yeah, because because oh. like just say for like the meatballs, for instance, we had to shrink uh-huh. the size of the meatball a little bit that we do at John and Vinny's to uh-huh. be able to go inside the ovens that they have. So they, they're, I mean, that's just one little piece of it. There's mm-hmm. there's schematics to. The way that they load a plane with how many plates they have, the size of them, everything is really the measured. Of the silverware. There's there's so many technicalities to the, it. The so. weight of the silverware, it's like if you if they're flying a plate to Japan, it's like they need to get the plate back. So they need to fly the plate back with a dish on it because if they had to fly the plate back with no food on it, then it would be wasted weight. Uh, cargo and wasted weight. Mm. And, there's and that costs you know, money mm-hmm. for gas and fuel, and they've 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 done the research. Yeah. They've been around. I mean, it's it's really a complex program, uh, and uh, it's like I said, it's it's you know the detail of all of it is insane, but first and foremost is safety for them, and that's something that you know whenever I think of airplane food, I think of the safety that goes into it. That's awesome. Um, yeah, we. Before we, we have a couple of minutes, mm-hmm. so I had um, a couple more questions that I Go wanted ahead. to ask. Yeah. Um, so John and Vinny's is probably one of my favorite restaurants in Los Angeles as Thank well. Um, and it's often called like a classic red sauce restaurant. How do you feel about that? 
cool I mean, me. I think it, <laughs> it kind of is, you know, but what I would say is that uh, when Vinny and I talk about it, we say it's like an Italian diner because mm-hmm. it has that breakfast component and like, you know, that's one thing I wouldn't sleep on. I mean, if I lived over here, I would definitely be hitting the John and Vinny's Brentwood for breakfast, especially on the weekdays mm-hmm. when it's not as crazy uh, up in there. But I would say that's how Vinny and I describe it. The food is definitely uh, driven by Italian red sauce, Jersey style. And you just talked about breakfast, which was my next question. Why did you want to have breakfast in the restaurant? Uh, why, like Vinny said, your you know restaurants kind of always change depending on where mm-hmm. you are in your life. It's like, man, if you would have told me that I'd be getting up at you know six a.m. every morning, I would have told you <laughs> you were crazy when I was yeah. a you know a twenty year old. Because part of the reason I got into restaurants is because I used to love sleeping in, and I felt like the time slots really worked in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, my life's different now. I'm a dad. I got little kids. Those little guys are up early. It's like, so the breakfast made the most sense uh, for it. And as well. We love I, breakfast. We love breakfast. We love eating breakfast. And L.A.'s has a huge breakfast culture. And, like, mm-hmm. we wanted to put our, our you know, flag out there with that as well. Cool. And for, I guess that's my last this is my last question for all the people out there, especially college students um, who want to open up their own restaurants maybe one day or go into the food industry. What are some of your, um, I guess, what is, what is one piece of guidance? I would, that I would, would just say, say, I mean, real quick, I would just say find what people need in the area that you're mm-hmm. looking to do it. You know, don't try to do something that's just like the restaurant down the street. Um, Try to find what people need around the area, wh- how people use restaurants. Um, and then I'd say be careful. Rent's your biggest cost besides labor. And I would say for me, I would say be willing to dedicate your entire life to just that one thing. Be willing to walk away from going on spring break with your buddies or have Christmas you know, at your house because if you're in the restaurant business and you're starting up, you got to be willing to dedicate every waking minute and every waking uh, second to your restaurant in order to get it to get it going. They're very consuming. <laughs> but for a good cause. For a good cause, yes. Yeah, yes. We, well, yeah. if you love it, it's not. It's nothing. If you doesn't love feel it, like work. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. You know, it's like, you know, I love my my restaurants and I love my life and it's like people think it's crazy but it's like a, a 10 hour day to me is like nothing you know what mm-hmm. I mean it's like just I'm we, hanging out with my buddies and like even my wife she'll say to me like you guys are just hanging out I'm like we kind of are hanging out <laughs> but we're doing much more than hanging out you know mm-hmm. and I think that's that's one thing that's part of it you know it's like our lives are our work you know, and I think that's what I was saying about be willing to dedicate everything to it. Well, thank you both for well, taking time to come to the station and having this chat with me. Thanks for having me. us. No worries. Thanks thank for you. Having, thanks yeah. for having us. Bye. Um, thank and you. thanks, everyone, for listening. The menu will be back next Tuesday at 11 a.m. on UCLaRadio.com. Keep listening. <laughs>